the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into our third hour. It's a delight to do so with uh, Josh Hammer, among other things. He is the uh, opinion page editor at Newsweek. He has a column in the New York Post featured at Real Clear Politics today, Afghanistan's big lesson, no more nation building ever again. Very smart, Josh. How are you, sir? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great, Seth. Always a pleasure to join you. Thank you. Pleasure having you. Um, The fall of Kabul, egg on the face of our generals, egg on the face of the politicians, egg on the face of armchair intellectuals and think tank pundits, as you write in your um, New York Post, uh, in your New York Post piece. How would you, uh, Josh, at this point describe the foreign policy that we should engage in or the kind of label you would affix to something? We've had our peace with realism. We've had our peace with nation building and neoconservatism. What I heard Mac Owens talk about principled realism, perhaps that's how would you how would you characterize the way we should look at foreign and defense policy? Yeah, so look, I think the answer, I mean, we can use whatever label we want, okay, we can call it kind of national interest oriented, we can call it um, America first, um, prudential, you know, Ted Cruz, a couple of, maybe two, two and a half years ago, I think used the term, um, hawkish pessimist, which okay. is kind of where I am, too. I mean, like, um, you know, you, you instinctually hawkish or pessimistic, I would say, about the ability of the military to um, actually affect change much beyond killing enemies, and that's mm-hmm. what the military exists for, right? Um, but more generally, and this is kind of the broader point here, and the point that I was trying to make in that column, and I probably should write some more about this, is this notion that if you're not kind of a proponent of true, you know, Don Rumsfeld, Dick Cheney um, style uh, democracy exportation. This notion that if you don't support that adamantly and support it in every single theater around the world, then, then you're a quote unquote isolationist. I mean, it, it, it's just a quintessential false choice. Um, it's a false dichotomy. And it, it, there obviously are any number of gradations in the middle here. Um, the label, you know, can can shift around. I mean, Mike, Michael Anton, you know, uh, from Hillsdale College and Claremont Institute had a fabulous essay of foreign policy magazine. I think it was in the year 2019, uh, entitled "The Trump Doctrine," basically trying to kind of lay this out here. And to the extent that I can summarize it, because I, you know, it's really needs to be fleshed out by uh, a, a lot of people who are, frankly, probably a lot smarter than I am. But to the extent that I um, would, would characterize it, the goal here should be. To maintain a strong deterrent posture around the world and aggressively kind of defend our interests when need be. Um, that's kind of where the term Jacksonian kind of gets mm-hmm. thrown into this mm-hmm. because the, the, the Jacksonians tend to lash out um, when, they, when they're provoked. That's kind of the cotton Suleimani strike, for instance, things of that nature, which I adamantly support. But we should not be engaged in spreading our values. We should not engage in kind of this hubristic notion that everyone around the world yearns for kind of Manistonian, Hamiltonian democracy. Um, that, 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 it's just total nonsense. Um, and it's really kind of a, a, a hubris of Western civilization and some 
neoconservative and neoliberals in, in particular here. Um, and just, you know, one final, like, very concrete example of kind of the foreign policy that I have in mind here, I think the Abraham Accords in the Middle East is really exactly what I, what I have in mind here. So, for instance, there, in the context of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, what the Trump administration did was, for decades, both neoliberals, uh, humanitarian internationalists, neoconservatives, kind of the entire foreign policy blog, so to speak, in D.C., supported the two-state solution. They supported kind of uh, building up a Palestinian state for all sorts of reasons here. What the Trump administration did, though, it took a very kind of hard-headed, realist approach and said, what is the U.S. national interest in a Palestinian state between the river and the sea? Well, there really is none. So on the contrary, they, they went above and beyond in every possible way to bolster Israel, to bolster the U.S.-Israel relationship. And what was the result? The result was that the UAE, Bahrain, Sudan, Morocco saw the U.S. did toe-to-toe with Israel, and we had once-generation peace, and that peace redounded to our interest because it's, a, it's an umbrella tactical alliance to contain the Iranian regime. So that's kind of a quintessential example of what I have in mind there. It's, it's a good one. It's a really good one because it also uses as an example a country, a people, and a culture that is desirous of Western-style Madisonian democracy, at least in Israel. Um, you write in your piece something that I want to ask you a, a deep question on, and it's it's it, I think it's hard to to, to answer, but you're you're steeped in this kind of stuff, natural law and our founding, because we do have to face a hard reality. As as you write, um, that hard reality includes understanding that um, this faraway tribal Islamic people um, is not going to be tempted. By Thomas Jefferson or James Madison, yet we do tell ourselves that what Thomas Jefferson wrote, right, was intended for all people at all times. How do we square this? We square this as an aspiration, or do we square it as something that takes time, or something third? Yeah, I, is there a third door I'm missing? No, I, I, it's, a, it's a fabulous question. It's one that every you know, student or admirer of American founding has to grapple with for sure. But there's a a fabulously on-point direct quote from this, um, from President John Quincy Adams, who, you know, he famously said, America, quote, is the well-wisher to the freedom and independence of all, but, quote, the champion and vindicator only of her own. So I I think that's exactly the right mentality, right? Um, We in the West, you know, if if we kind of want to go, like, Strausseanism here, you know, we kind of have like this um, this Athens and Jerusalem combination here, reason, revelation, and so forth. And we believe, of course, um, uh, that those truths and declaration, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln, you know, the great states in American history, of course, realized here domestically, um, should indeed um, apply to all. But that, that, that simply does not mean that we have to forcibly project that, especially onto civilization. By the way, you make, you make a really great reminding point here, which is when we talk about this, we are talking about the, the, um, the nexus of, of Athens and Jerusalem, which, is, which are specifically two things people in Afghanistan don't care about. <laughs> right? Exactly right. Okay, I mean, like, totally right. I mean, in the New York Post column, you know, I quote George W. Bush's second inaugural yep. address. Yep. Yep. Um, it's kind of like a shining key into neoconservatism about how, like, the human soul everywhere yearns for freedom. Yep. Um, it's just not obvious to me that, that that's actually true. Um, there are so many other civilizations that do not have an intrinsic love of 
freedom, liberty, self-governance, mm-hmm. the way that Westerners and Americans conceive of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we can, we can aspire that the world lives under various regimes, but we simply don't need to sign up our young men and women in uniform, you know, 18, 21-year-old kids, to just go in there and basically dictate to Afghans, Iraqis, or, who, or whoever else that this is the way it has to be done. Um, and, and it kind of is a, a closer related point to that, and kind of just, you know, just, just a compliment that as a pure empirical matter now, I think we have enough data points to indicate that this doesn't work particularly well either, right? Um, whether it's Iraq, at, uh, Afghanistan, obviously the, the Libya intervention to topple Gaddafi in 2011 was uh, horrifically backfired, right. to, put it mild, to put it mildly, right. in Egypt, the Arab Spring. Right. And when we got, quote-unquote, got, quote, democracy in Egypt, we got a Muslim brother yeah. in right. Mohammed Morsi. Right. And, like, you know, the, the quote-unquote strongman al-Sisi is now a much, much better ally for us. So um, as a pure empirical and tactical matter, in addition kind of at a philosophical level, it's just not at all obvious to me that this actually works. Um, we're talking to Josh Hammer, uh, editorial uh, op-ed editor at uh, Newsweek, among other things, columnist, New York Post. You wrote a sentence. I'm going to guess it was hard for you to write, Josh, just guessing. When you write, egg on the face of the politicians who repeatedly supported doubling down on this boondoggle and who must now prepare themselves to tell Gold Star families that, yes, their loved ones did indeed die in vain. I asked a woman at lunch today. If her son, who was in Afghanistan, in country, fighting, now back, safe and all that, if he thought he, his, his time was spent in vain. And she says, I think so. Nothing sadder than that. Nothing sadder than that except those who can't come back and say, I think so. Yeah, no, you're right to fly to that. That was the toughest. I, 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 I could read right. in your commas that you probably thought about that sentence a little bit. Yeah. You know, look, I, last weekend, you know, seven, eight, nine days ago, whenever it was, when these images, these horrific images started just bombarding our Twitter feeds, our television sets, and so forth, that was the number one thought that I simply could knock it out of my head. Right. Uh, it, seemed like, it seemed like every 10, 15, 20 minutes I was thinking over and over yep. again about the plight of the Gold Star families. Um, you know, look, um, you, you know, George, uh, George W. Bush, to his immense credit, always said that the toughest part of his job was talking to, uh, making phone calls to the families of those um, whose loved ones died in uniform abroad. But at the time, at least, we thought, um, you going back to 03, 04, 05, back to the Bush era, at the time, at least, a lot of us thought that they would not die in vain, that they would die for, you know, a free, secure yeah. Iraq, Afghanistan, yeah. so forth. Um, so it's just deeply, deeply sobering, really, to think back at, you know, the four to 5,000 Americans, if I have enough of my numbers correctly, who have, have perished in Afghanistan, that um, that they've now paid the ultimate price for something that simply appears not to have worked. I and mean, look, it, it, that stat, if nothing else, yeah. that, if nothing else, really ought to sober our foreign policy, thankfully, I think. I know, uh, I know you're running on a lot, you're firing on a lot of pins and you have to run, Josh, so I want to thank you uh, for your time, your column. And you're uh, always smart, uh, always smart analysis. By the way, folks, you can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh underscore Hammer, H-A-M-M-E-R. Josh, thank you. I'm going to give you a little, as Jackie Gleason would call it, traveling music here on the way out. But thank you for everything. And let's visit again soon. Sounds great. Take care. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Ned is in Phoenix. Hello, Ned. Hello, Seth. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for ringing. So um, what's on my mind? I um, 
my mom, I lost her. She had Alzheimer's for the last seven years of her life, I'm and sorry. it got increasingly bad. That's tough. And um, what I'm seeing with Joe Biden is bringing back all kinds of triggers for me. Yeah. And what I'm really wondering is, how long do you really think that he'll be able to stay in as president based on what you're seeing? Well, I don't know. So we were talking with uh, Brandon, I think, earlier who was suggesting that the cabinet or his senior officers need to invoke the 25th Amendment. I don't mm-hmm. see that happening, to be honest. It's just such an extraordinary um, an extraordinary lever to pull. I don't, I don't see it happening right now. Um, could things get so much more monumentally worse? And Jill, By the way, Ned... Isn't it odd? I was thinking of this the other day. When's the last time we saw Jill Biden? Dr. Jill Biden. She used to stand with her husband all the time, almost as if she was a nurse or coaching him. And I I don't have any point to this. It's just it's a curiosity. She's now absent. Is it as if they're trying to make him look like he can stand alone more so? I don't know, because they do have Kamala Harris often in the background with him. I don't know. I don't think there's an ability to impeach him given the numbers. Um, And I I certainly don't know what his physical stamina or strength is. But I do know there were books written that Trump was unfit for office. I do know that multiples of columnists and editorialists said that the Republicans should invoke the 25th Amendment and force Trump out of office. I remember gobs of stories about that, just as I remember gobs of stories about Donald Trump should be impeached for taking 200 troops out of Syria and leaving the Kurds to fend alone. 200. 200 for the Kurds in Syria. Um, I remember all that. But, you know, to be a Republican or a conservative, Ned, as someone once said, is to always – be the away team with the refs <laughs> being local. We're always oh, the away true. team with the refs being local. They're going to call them a little different for us than they are them because they own the apparatuses. They own the publishing houses, right? They own most of the cable networks. They own all of the news networks. They own most of the schools, most of the athletic franchises, all of Hollywood. Um you know they own they own this this company, and we're you know fortunate enough to live with a constitution that gives us civil liberties and civil rights if we can find judges to uphold them. Um, but when it comes to the political decisions that need to be made and what seems to be okay to call presidents, you can call him a fascist, you can call him a tyrant, you can call him worse than Hitler if he's a Republican. Can't do that with a Democrat. We have operated in a dual-ruled society for too long now, Ned, way too long. Um, so I don't know the answer to your specific question. What I'd like I mean, to think I'll, – I'll just say one more thing. What I'd like to think yeah. is that most Americans can go to bed at night putting their head on the pillow knowing that if something tragic, God forbid, were to happen to the president of the United States – all the institutions that we have built in will keep us on an even keel. I don't think we can think that right now. No, I, I don't either. And, um, you know, my 
thought after that is, well, how much worse could it get yep. with Kamala Harris? Yep. Because I don't know. I mean, I I, I, I think I, much. I, I I think much worse. Oh, I, I think much worse for the very reason that you know the voters understood when they got her out of the race before she even went to Iowa. Um, she has been a creation of the media. Do you remember the the Do you remember the big glossy when she announced for president and the media went shopping with her, clothes shopping with her? <laughs> I mean, this is a fifty thousand foot myth of someone who's going to be an inspiration. To women and minorities, what kind of inspiration do women do you think this um, Taliban takes takeover uh, gives I, I conveys? Can't you think even the, imagine. You think the, I mean, it can't be it can't be inspiring to women. But I mean, the only thing that gives me any kind of solace in this whole situation is that you know, without Carter, you wouldn't have had Reagan. Right. Ain't and, nobody and seen I, the sunshine until he's seen the rain, said Jim Croce. Is that what <laughs> you're saying? Exactly Little right. Jim Croce ethics here. I, I think that you're already seeing a lot of people turn on yep. this, yep. and they're saying, you know what, this is a joke, and it's worse than we thought, and they're already having buyer's remorse. I'm I'm thinking the best-case scenario, and I might be crazy, is that he stops. He just says, you know what, I can't do it anymore, which I think could actually happen. No, I could. I could see that. If he stops right after the 2022 midterms and – the Republicans retake power of the Senate and the House, and we just watch her flounder for two years, it might not be the worst thing. Got it. I, I, yeah. I, I, I hear you. And it would be a very European or parliamentary kind of thing to do when he is when his party gets shellacked next November, were he mm-hmm. to stand up and say, <laughs> and I take this as not only a message, but a good time for me to exit as well that would that would be very european in a way but perhaps perhaps something that saves some face i i don't know i do know that it's hard to say you live in a republican form of government or a representative democracy when you know and the biggest non-secret secret in washington is that the president of the united states is non mentis Agreed. Well, thank you very much again, Seth. Have a good uh, rest of your day. I appreciate it. You betcha. What a nice call. Thank you, sir. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. If you'd like to join Lena's in Phoenix. Hello, Lena. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Did I say I your name right? Is it Lena? I'm sorry. Lena, you're good. Either way, it works perfect. Oh, um, <laughs> you, should, you should know what I've been called over the last few. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Over, over the it's last totally 50 years. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, I I'll tell you something. You want to hear something funny? I, I've never shared yes. this on air. Okay. I don't even know if I should. But <laughs> when... Computers were kind of becoming more and more popular, and I'm thinking like mid, mid-90s, mid to late 90s, 94, 95, 96. Any Microsoft product, like Microsoft Word, if ever I typed – whenever you type the name Liebson, which is my last name, it auto-corrected yes. to lesbian. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong yeah. with it, but I did no, ask. No. I did send several letters to Microsoft asking them to fix that. <laughs> yes. Help me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Anyhow. Sorry, Lena. Go ahead. No, you're good. Why I reached out today is just to shed some light to scenario and see kind of what to do. Um, it's with Scottsdale Unified School District, and I believe they're artificially inflating their numbers by sending kids home um, that don't need to be sent home. Last week when we had all the storms and allergies that are high, my son was sent home from school. He's six years old in first grade. Um, and even then the teacher had said, um, Peyton said he was fine, but he looked a little pink and was sneezing. So I sent him to the nurse to have him checked out. So then the nurse called us and we were required to either have him quarantine for 10 days because of a sneeze or um, get a negative COVID test. Um, I have to tell you, Lena, you are, mm, I stopped counting, but I've heard at least 15 stories like this having to deal with Mm -hmm. Scottsdale Unified. Um, that, you know, a cough, a sneeze, um, anything is enough to take you out of school for over a week. That's what I have heard from parents on and on. And I'll tell you what's going to happen here. I'll tell you what's going to happen with this Martinet policy. What's going to happen is that parents are going to stop telling the schools that their kids have a runny nose or a fever or 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 a sore throat. They're going to stop reporting it. They're going to stop telling it because effectively you are punishing the family and the kid for that. Do mm-hmm. I have to remind people? Do you ever feel like, Lena, do you ever feel like you have to remind people that there were physicians and nurses and hospitals and hospitalizations and aspirin mm-hmm. and Advil and cold medicine before the year yeah. 2020, people got sick before COVID. Do we need to remind people of that? I, I think so. I was stuck down in Antarctica at the start of COVID. Uh-huh. So, and I had to go through, we, we got stuck on a cruise ship at the start of that. And we did what anyone would do because in case you had a fever, we took Tylenol to make sure we could get home. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. no, I, I get it. I get it. Here's what is going on at Scottsdale Unified beyond what you said, beyond beyond this disruption to family and educational and social life, which is not a small thing. I don't mean to dismiss it. I've, no. I've been on this case for a year or more now. It's a big thing. But there's another thing, which is they don't have to do this. They don't have to do this. They don't even have to require masks. They don't. Mm-hmm. There's somewhere, somehow, with some people, a desire, a wish to do this. You can Mm -hmm. show them more science than they have, more research than they have, that their strategies are about making them feel good, not saving Mm -hmm. teachers, administrators, and children. We have more science to show that than they do to show what they're they're, uh, justifying. But there was no they, – they don't need to do – not every school district is doing it. No. And the governor no. and the legislature passed a law. Now, I get that the judge said the law doesn't take effect for another month or so. But OK, so what? Be with the spirit of the law or, no, mm-hmm. or don't. But tell me why you have to punish students for mm-hmm. having a runny nose and why you have to disrupt yep. family life. I mean, I don't think it's easy. Well, I, I, I just, I, I don't think it's easy. I'm not I, in this situation, but I don't think it's easy when a parent is told all of a sudden they need to find a babysitter for 10 days. Yes, and also 
Um, I was going to go to the school board meeting, um, and that's why I reached out to you, because I had just received an email that they're not allowing the public to come due to safety concerns. Of course, safety concerns. Mm-hmm. An abundance of caution. Why let democracy yeah. Why let democracy and the First Amendment operate when, um, when, it, when it could cost you your life? That's mm-hmm. that's that's what they truly think. That's what they truly say. I don't think they truly think it, but that's what they truly say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they won't let you even voice your opinion or no. show. Like I have video. We, my son was being silly that morning, so we have a, um, like video and photos of him. And then when he came home, and as parents, okay, if my kid knows that he sneezes and he can get sent home, any kid's going to do that, you know. <laughs> Well, that's another problem that I had not contemplated. <laughs> I had not thought of that. I was, I had not thought of that. Yeah. But does a kid want to stay home for 10 days? Probably not. Day two gets a little boring. We did, we did the COVID test. Um, and then when I called to try to get the results, the company that Scottsdale's referring us to has 800 openings available right now. Oh, dear God. Someone's making money. Yes, yes. And then a weird thing, too, if someone does get sent home, they're not sending home siblings. <laughs> live in the same All right, Lana, you, you've, I've got to take a quick break. I'm going to say okay. something on the other side that at least will make you feel you're not alone. Let's put it that way. Let's put it that way. Stay close, Lena, and uh, keep us posted. Love hearing from you. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Sorry about that. Lena in Scottsdale, are you still yes. there, Lena? Uh, yes, I'm here. Oh, great. And my little and my six-year-old joins me in the room as well. Oh, lovely, lovely. Welcome, welcome to your six-year-old as well. Um, I was walking by a uh, law office in our building, okay. and it has a sign on the front window. And that sign says, I just checked it on the break, double-check it, yep. in accordance with CDC recommendations, we require all visitors to wear a mask. Let me repeat that. Mm-hmm. In accordance with CDC recommendations, mm-hmm. we require all visitors to wear a mask. Now, I don't – I mean, I think we have gotten to a point here with language like that, and I'm sure you'll see versions, if not mm-hmm. exact facsimiles of that, popping up elsewhere – we are now at the point where we are engaging in um, exquisite and careful focus on meaningless activity. Another yeah. way to put it is we are being exquisitely careful to engage in fraud. I don't know how someone can say, based on CDC recommendations, we require. A recommendation is, by definition, something that you say you can try, something that is worthy of acceptance. It's a suggestion. It's a recommendation, okay, at, strong, at strongest. A requirement is not a recommendation. A requirement is an order. It's an order. It's a mandate. So we're taking CDC guidelines and converting them 
into requirements. Why? Why? What mentality says you have to do that? Now, the CDC itself is its own mishmash of inarticulate commentary. Because if you go to their website and try and find out what it is they're trying to tell you, it's damned near impossible. And I'll give you an example. I'm at the CDC website now, and I went to it based on something I heard on television that I wanted to double check. I'm at the CDC website right now, and it has a page um, on participating in outdoor and indoor activities. Okay? Let me read to you what they say. In general, you do not need to wear a mask in outdoor settings. In areas with high numbers of COVID-19 cases, consider wearing a mask in crowded outdoor settings and for activities with close contact with others who are not fully vaccinated. Can you understand what they're saying? Because I cannot, and I've read it 10 times. Consider wearing a mask in crowded outdoor settings and for activities with close contact with others who are not fully vaccinated. Consider wearing a mask. What the hell is the point of the CDC telling us and we being told to follow the science when they're lecturing to consider something? Consider it. Consider it. But we have to mandate and follow it. I don't get it. I I honestly, Lena, honestly think that we are being ruled by by a confederacy of dunces. And what worries me more than that is how many people are willing to go along with it, including educated people like school administrators. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and this is a little off topic, but it's kind of weird with the vaccine requirements right now. Um, When my son, who's now six and a half, was born, there were a lot of anti-vaxxers on the polio. Oh, yeah, sure. And all that, and wouldn't do those. So there was a huge outbreak at that time, and we were all required to actually stay inside with our children we couldn't like our babies and we were going to have to vaccinate early right so these like polio and things like that um people can get away without vaccinating just kind of a random thing i have a newborn baby so that's why oh i yeah so it's on your mind yeah well (laughs) well i you know i i i listen to what's going on at scottsdale unified or phoenix union and it, it's just mm-hmm. it's just odd to me that they made these decisions. They didn't have to. Mm-hmm. If they didn't make these decisions, they would have been in compliance with the state legislator and governor duly elect, uh, enacted law. They decided not to be in compliance. They decided mm-hmm. to test it. They decided to spend a lot of money defending their decision, which is your money. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And 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 at a certain point, I just I wonder when we're going to clean out the Augean stables and when every right minded human being is going to run for school board and throw these foolish yeah. dictators out. It's actually a, a really because I know everyone and I hope someone on the school board is listening. I know everyone in our neighborhood is fed up Good. with it because it's not even, you know, anything realistic. My son sneezed and got sent. I will this do anything even, I can to help parents like yourself, who want to yeah. run for school board uh, and take 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 the system back. Take the system yeah, back where we're educating yeah. children, where we're allowing children to be children, and we're not foisting immature, childish, or psychologically mm-hmm. negative fears into children because it makes us feel better. It's not the point of an yeah. adult. It's or not the point of adulthood. 
they're trying to say, because I heard on another radio show and then even in a meeting that I called into today because I'm still on leave with my child, that people are like, wow, Scottsdale has these huge outbreaks because they want to justify the mask. So they're just sending all our kids home. I, I, had a, I got a run, Lena, just because of the break. I had a friend today saying, quit talking about, not you, but to me and everyone else, we should quit talking about cases. They don't mean anything. We don't even know how many cases there are because most analysis says this is far more widespread than we know. Stop talking cases. Stop talking science. Just talk math. Just talk math. Once you're in the realm of math here, people see the light. the show with a bon mot, but uh, I wanted to uh, get to uh, all the callers that I could today on my first day back. Lynn, let's end the call, end the show with you. How are you, Lynn? Lynn, are you there? Yes, yeah, sorry, I had it on mute. Um, That's okay. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> Go ahead, hon. I've loved what you predicted with Larry Elder and his campaign for governor, and I'd like your take on the recent hit pieces and how you think that might affect his campaign. And also, is that more of a mail-in thing where they could tamper with the results? I know that they did mail-in uh, balloting. That, uh, that mail-in balloting did take place, Lynn. Thank you for your comments about my comments. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard Larry talk about a fear of that. So I don't know it's the, that it's the same situation that they had with the federal elections and the local elections. This is a much, uh, a much more what you would call discrete um, election. It's just one thing they're counting. Uh, so I'm hoping it's less susceptible to, to any kind of fraud uh, than normal. But as far as the hit pieces, I think Larry expected them. Um, I've been in touch with Larry and I said, keep your chin up. They only tackle the person with the football. And I think he is frightening the establishment in California. I think he's frightening the Democratic Party in the nation. And I think if this man becomes governor of California, and I think it's a probability, I think it's a probability, even with the hit pieces, I think if this man becomes governor of California, it's an earthquake the rest of the country will feel. Um, it'll be great for the conservative movement. It'll be great for the Republican Party. It'll be great for California. It'll be great for America. And I am hoping, if anything, the hit pieces further motivate those who are inclined to support them to understand that this is the war we're fighting. You can be governed by the L.A. Times or you can be governed by common sense. That's the choice. There was an L.A. Times hit piece on them quoted a member of Black Lives Matter, says Larry Elder is an existential threat to Black Lives Matter. I emailed him and said, I'm going to cut that out and put it on a yard sign. Larry Elder is an existential threat to good, good. Go get him, Larry. Until tomorrow, folks, God bless you all in class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.